joining us on another episode of the Key Life Fellowship Men's Bible Study Podcast, taught by Pastor Kirk Hall. We pray that through this podcast that you would grow your grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. At this time, please open your Bibles and follow along as the Holy Spirit unveils God's truths to your heart. Amen. You guys, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 2. And we know that in our lesson last week, we looked at the amazing graces of God. And we saw how He truly has saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And in that were involved many graces that the Lord has used to accomplish that. Today, we are going to be looking at the effects of God's grace. What, what has happened? What has transpired? Um, this lesson should prop, probably more properly be titled The Effects of God's Grace to the Gentiles. Because what we're going to see is we're going to see that here at Ephesus there was that mixture of those who were of Jewish descent who are now saved and those who were pagan Gentiles who are now saved. And so this Body is a mixture of those two people. And, and to be quite frank and, and just to be honest, if we were to break the world down uh, into two groups of people, there would really biblically only be two groups of people, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles. And from the Jews and the Gentiles stem every tribe, nation, people, and language. And so Paul is going to be specifically addressing uh, the Gentiles and how they fit in uh, this whole picture of grace, but he's also going to remind, um, as he does from time to time in all of his writings, uh, the Jews that it, it is God's grace that allows them to be saved as well. So we're going to talk a lot about the Gentiles. We're going to do that because what we have to understand is there was once uh, huge barriers that the Gentiles faced. We're going to see that they were cut off from God. They were alienated. They were without hope. They were without God. Uh, they were not the people of promise. We know that the Jews were the people of promise. And that promise, we know, was made to Abraham. And then we know that that promise came through Isaac and, and on down through the generations of the Jew. And so the Gentiles were not privy to this position. They were not God's chosen people, per se. But now what Paul is going to do is he's going to teach and to remind the church that now that they are in Christ, they are God's chosen people because of God's grace. Now, why is this good news for us? Right? Because when we start talking terms Jew and Gentile, a lot of times the American just turns those terms off as if they don't apply to us. Now, that very much applies to us. Anyone here born from the line of Abraham? Raise your hand. Okay, so this is a very important lesson to us because by saying, no, I'm not from the lineage of Abraham, you were saying that I am a Gentile by birth. And so we're going to see that this applies to us. And I want us to see how it applies to us. Paul is painting a picture so that you can understand the full beauty of the gospel of grace in Christ Jesus to all who believe. That all, when we see it in Scripture, is not talking about all as the totality of man, 
It's talking about all believers from both the Jews and the Gentiles. And so there's beauty to be seen here. And I want us to see Paul's explanation of all of this. And I as well want to explain why this teaching that we see here is so crucial, so applicable even to us today. Um, So don't miss these things. We, We need to see these things because the Jews had long hated the Gentiles. You can't clean that up. They hated them. They hated them because the Jews were the people of promise. And knowing that they were God's chosen people, and we must be careful in this ourselves, knowing that we who are in Christ are God's chosen people, that we not become arrogant. Look down on those who are still lost in their sin. The Jews became rather arrogant, acting as if they were the only ones that God would accept. And so this mystery that Paul is unveiling here, that the Gentiles are included in God's redemptive plan, is news to some of these people. But it's important news. The Jews who had long been hated by the Gentiles now, I mean, the Gentiles who had long been hated by the Gentiles, the the Gentiles who had long been hated by the Jews because there was a mutual hate, Both groups had to now embrace each other with the love of Christ for the unity of the body. We're going to see that's the important theme here, the unity of the body of Christ. Don't miss that. How many of us in this room have differences? I'm not talking about spiritual differences. We have spiritual unity. We all have differences, and we must never let those differences cause disharmony or division in the body of Christ. These two The Jews and the Gentiles had a long mutual relationship of hate. But now, Paul is going to teach them that you two are no longer two separate groups. You're no longer two separate entities, but you are now one in the body of Christ. You are the church. You are the bride of Christ. And and part of my bride stems from the Jew. We know the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. He's going to make those truths so clear tonight. He's going to teach them that unity among believers is of utmost importance. So let's read this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. And just prepare tonight to travel with me through the Scriptures. We're going to look at some rather large portions, probably, if we have the time. We're going to look at them for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Therefore, remember, therefore, very important word, pay attention to that. We have seen God's graces that have been poured out to the believers. Now he says, therefore, because you have an understanding of this, because you have received this grace, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Now pay attention to what Paul's saying here. Because the Jew will look down on the Gentile, and the circumcised Jew would point to the Gentiles and call them ugly names like uncircumcised Gentiles. We can go back to David and Goliath. Remember that? Where David is like, who is this uncircumcised Gentile screaming out blasphemies against God? Why is no one doing anything about that? Please know this. That was a derogatory statement. He had a hatred in his heart for this Gentile because he was, in David's eyes, filled. Unclean. 
Now, he says, remember, that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. He's trying to get the attention of the Gentiles here. Pay attention to this. You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were, were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He goes on and he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. He's saying Christ has abolished the thing that separated you two. Remember the Jews had received those 613 commands and they were trying to live these things out in in their own efforts most of the time. And in their mind, because God had given them those commands... They were clean, they were righteous, yet the unbelieving Gentiles were unclean and filthy. He says, but that barrier has been destroyed, and we know that it's Christ and His fulfilling of everything that He did through the cross who has taken care of this. He says His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. One new man means this, no longer the Jew, No longer the Gentile, but the Christian, the believer, the body of Christ. He says, and in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached to you who were far away, that's the Gentile, and peace to those who were near, speaking to the Jew. You had the promises of God. You were the descendants of Abraham people of the covenant. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. He goes on and says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. What a statement to the Gentile who is listening to this, who is in Christ, as they are receiving this message here at Ephesus. He's saying all of the hostility, because obviously this was still going on in the church, Obviously, the Jews still had a a bit of arrogance toward the Gentiles. We we know this because we can go back into Acts and we know that there was a council in Jerusalem where they had to straighten all of this out. They talked about these things. Wait a second, these Gentiles, they're being saved, they're receiving the Holy Spirit just as we are. What are we going to do about these guys? Paul is again teaching further on this here in Ephesus and he's saying that you're no longer foreigners and aliens. You have just as much right to the things of God and to the kingdom of God as the Jews have. In fact, you are both now one because you are in Christ. He says, in Him the whole building is joined together. I skipped a verse here. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. And all of this I'm saying so that you know that everything that is going on is built upon Christ, on the foundation of Christ. In Him, the whole building 
is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Now, when he uses those words, think about that for a second. A holy temple in the Lord. Now, the Jews would have immediately their minds gone to Jerusalem and to the temple there in Jerusalem because they were familiar with all of the things and all of the laws and all the regulations of the temple. They were familiar with the majesty and the beauty of the temple. Their mind would have went to the temple. Now, to the Gentile believers here, their mind would have went to the temple of Artemis there in Ephesus because that would have been familiar to them. They would have gone to an elaborate temple made by men even though made to a false goddess who we have learned much about in our previous study. But what he's saying is this. He's saying, in this, I want you to understand, there is a greater temple. It's not a temple that's made by human hands. Even if those human hands were of the Jews, and those human hands and their efforts were for Jehovah God, as opposed to the human hands of those who would make temples to the false gods and goddesses of the Greco-Roman world. He's talking about the temple of the Lord. Verse 22, he says, And in him you two are being built together to become, and this is amazing, what a privilege this is, a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. I want us to look at this. I want us to break this down because I think the key to understanding this passage is, again, that word, therefore. After he has taken all this time to teach us about God's sovereign election and grace, about God's grace that has been poured out through the graces that we looked at last week, he's already told us about the awful condition of unbelieving man. Then he's going to use that word, therefore, to transition us. He's saying that because salvation is all of God's grace to wicked men, be they Jews, be they Gentiles, He's been saying this over and over and over since we have begun this study in Ephesians. That's the only way that anyone is included in God's family. Can we all agree on that? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you have not come by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you're not a member of God's family. But he's saying this, those of you who have, whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile, His grace has allowed you To be included. Inclusion, a very important word that we will look at later on. But to the Gentile, who is primarily addressing here in this portion of text, it's music to his ears. One who had been cut off from the things of God his entire lifetime. But now in Christ, he has access to the very promises of God that he could have never in his wildest dreams imagined that he would ever have access to. That's why the gospel is truly the good news. Now, he's going to teach us some important things about the grace of God in regard especially to the Gentiles, but to all who believe. The first thing that he shows us is that the grace of God erases alienation. Verse 11, let me repeat that for you. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The grace of God. Remember that word, therefore. He teaches us about grace and he says, therefore. I want you to remember something. It is the grace of God that erases alienation. The Gentiles were once alienated. What were they alienated from? What does he say? From Christ? From Christ. In their alienation, the Gentiles were not directly promised a Messiah. The Gentiles were not looking for a Messiah. Did you know that the Jews, because of the message that God had given to the prophets, they were constantly looking and constantly waiting for a Messiah? Not the Gentiles. The Gentiles were just going on in their pagan idolatry, in their sexual immorality, doing the things that sinners do. Not anticipating the rule and reign of a Messiah. In fact, they were caught up in worshiping all types of false deities, many wicked gods and goddesses. In fact, we know that even here at Ephesus, whom this letter is speaking toward, they worshiped the demonic idol of Artemis or Diana. They had no expectant hope in ever being delivered or saved or rescued by a Messiah. The Jews, on the other hand, would have had great expectation of the Christ. In fact, they were longing for the Christ. Now, picture that with me, if you would, how beautiful grace is that God has removed and erased alienation from a people who were not even expecting the Messiah at all. I'm reminded of this every time a Gentile comes into a church service and hears the gospel and is saved. Many of them come in here expecting nothing. Uh, they just participated in sin. They just participated in self the night before they came in. They've been doing that their entire life, not anticipating an encounter with Christ, yet they come in. And God, by His grace, saves them. Those who were once alienated from Christ are now included in Christ. So the Gentiles were once alienated from Christ. Not only that, from citizenship. From citizenship where? In God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, in His family, with God as their father and God as their king. And God's word as their law. This privilege belonged only to Israel. Oh, know that. That God chose Israel. And he chose Israel to be a people who would bear his name, who would receive his law, who would walk in his covenant promises. This was not a citizenship for the Gentiles. They weren't even trying to be a part of the kingdom of the one true and living God. He lets them know you were alienated from citizenship. But I've erased that. Your alienation from citizenship in the kingdom of God is gone. Oh, how thankful should we be, Gentile men, that though we were once alienated from citizenship in the kingdom of God, in Christ, God has erased that alienation. We're now citizens. Fellow citizens. 
with all who believe of the kingdom of God in heaven. And thirdly, we see this, that they were alienated from covenants. From what covenants? Oh, pay attention to this. From the Abrahamic covenant was not given to the pagan Gentiles. It was given to the people of Abraham. It began as God's covenant with Israel. Uh, They were also excluded and alienated from the Mosaic covenant. Uh, They didn't receive the commandments. They didn't receive the law. They weren't taught about the sacrificial system. There was no even inclination or thought of atonement that would be available for the Gentile as they were not under the Mosaic covenant. How about the Palestinian covenant? The land covenant. Right? They were not promised a land that was flowing with milk and honey as the Jews were. They were promised nothing of the sort. They were excluded and alienated from those covenants. And even, pay attention to this, for a time, they were alienated from even the new covenant. Did you know this? The new covenant was promised directly to Israel through Israel. How many of you understand what Scripture says? Everybody in here believe the Bible? It says that Jesus came what? First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. It wasn't until later. Remember, there had to be this awakening in in the heart and the mind of Peter, and he had to actually go into the home of Cornelius. And man, he'd never been. He said, I've never been in the home of a dirty Gentile. Then God showed his grace and his mercy to that Gentile, that Gentile home. Peter saw it with his own eyes. But until then, the Gentiles had been alienated from God's covenant promises, but not in Christ. In Christ, we, dirty, filthy, wretched Gentiles, have been engrafted into the promises of Abraham. We have been engrafted into the covenants because of Christ and because of God's grace in Christ. Prior to Christ, we're completely alienated from those things. Not only that, alienated from Christ, from citizenship in God's kingdom, and from the covenants that God made with Israel, they were also alienated from confidence. Confidence, what do I mean by that? Hope. The Gentiles had no hope. The Jews were a people of hope, receiving promises from God. God fulfilling all those promises to Israel. They had received a promise of a coming Savior or Messiah, you can go back to Isaiah and we know this, that the virgin will give birth. And he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. We know that's exactly what happened. The Jews had lived their entire existence with an expectant hope of a Savior, a Savior who would rescue them from the tyranny and sin that they had faced as a people. The Gentiles didn't have this hope, no confidence at all, no hope of all of Israel's earthly promises, and surely no hope of all of Israel's eternal promises. Up until this time, those promises seemed to be only for 
the Jew. But now in Christ, the Gentile has hope both in this life because of the promises of God and in the life to come. See what Paul is telling them here. You were once alienated. But it's in Christ and because of the grace of God that your alienation has been erased. They were alienated from Christ, from citizenship, from covenants, from confidence or hope, but also from communion. He says that they were without hope. It's that confidence that we now have in Christ. Aren't you thankful for the confidence that we do have in Christ, that hope? He said one time you were alienated from that. But also from communion. He says not only are you without hope, but you were without God. Oh, what a statement. They were completely without God. In fact, they were doing what sinners do, suppressing the truth by their wickedness, creating for themselves idols and false deities and worshiping these things. You know the misery to be without God. Well, think back in your life. Remember what it was like when you were without God in your life, doing your own thing, and had God not graciously revealed Himself to you, extending mercy to you, and His love to you, and His salvation to you, and His forgiveness to you, you would still be just as empty. Oh, to think about that, to miss out on the fellowship and intimacy that you now have through worship. I'll go ahead and ask this question. Any of you gentlemen want to go back to that place? To miss out on the intimate fellowship and communion that you have with God through worship because of Christ, because of the grace that has been showered upon you? Paul wants them to understand this. You were once alienated. Without hope, without God. Cut off, alienated from Christ, from citizenship, from God's kingdom, from the covenants that were made to Israel. From any confidence at all of God's promises on this earth or His promises for eternity. You're cut off from all of that. Thanks be to God that in Christ, those things have been erased. That's what he's saying when he says, Therefore, because of this wonderful grace, you who were once alienated, that alienation has been removed. The Gentiles who were once alienated have now been welcome in Christ. The Gentile believers who were once alienated are now accepted. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Now, we're going to slow down a little bit here. And in slowing down to look at what was just said, I'm going to tell you this, we might not get much further past this tonight. That's okay. We might cover all of the points in the lesson if we have time. But watch what he says there again. These people, our people, we're all still Gentiles here, right? By birth, by rebirth, with the body of Christ. He says, those of you who were once alienated have now 
been accepted. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. I know many people love Christian cliches. One of the ones that I despise the most is this. I'm doing this so that I can be closer to God. What are you doing? Are you shedding the blood of Christ? Because what brings us close to God establishes our closeness and our acceptance. It's not any merit of our own, right? Many people would say this, I read my Bible so that I can be, right? Say it with me, guys, closer to God. I pray so that I can be closer to God. Did you know that's not biblical at all? The only thing that brings you close to God is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have been brought near by His blood. Now, in order to get further away from God, Christ's blood would have to fail at some point. And if you believe that Christ's blood fails at some point when we're done, you and I are going to have a private conversation. But the sacrifice of Christ does not fail. That's what Paul is giving them great confidence in here today. He's saying this, that you're accepted now. Not because you have anything that's acceptable going on in your life. How many of you got it all figured out before you were accepted into the family of God? No, you didn't. But watch how he says that this happens. Watch how he says that this works. It's not difficult to discern why any and all unbelievers were alienated from God, right? Why were we alienated from God? Because we deserve to be alienated from God. Everything about us was in direct opposition to His holiness. The difficult thing to understand is why any of us are ever accepted. Let's pay close attention to why. As we look at the wording there in verse 13 to get this. First part of this, I want us to see that it's only by God's grace. Don't forget the topic here at hand. We have not left that topic he says that you have been brought near. He does not say that you came near, that you sought God or made some decision. He says you were brought near by God. Because who else would do the bringing? You couldn't bring it yourself to a place of acceptance before a holy God, but it's God who brought you near. You don't believe it? Read it again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near. You didn't come running. You were brought. You were carried. You were ushered in by the grace of God. And you were ushered in by the grace of God, as it says here, through the blood of Christ. These Gentiles, in fact, no unbeliever, Jew or Gentile, was brought in by their own accord. They are brought in by God's grace. He is the one who brings us near. He brings us near in Christ. Romans chapter 10 Chapter 11 explains a lot of this for us, that this was God's plan. 
It was God's plan. Just as the Gentiles were alienated because of their sin and unbelief, causing them to envy what the chosen people of God, the Jew, had, what they would see, and the protection that they received from God. The Jews, on the flip side now, because of their unbelief, have been cut off due to that unbelief, causing them to, in turn, now, in the age that we live in, the age of the church, Envy what the Gentiles have. What is the point of all this? This envy is what God intends to use to bring in the full number of His elect from all tribes and tongues and people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Both the Jews and the Gentiles, the unbelieving from both parties, will be brought in. And again, who does the bringing? It is God who does the bringing through the blood of Christ. Romans chapter 10 says this. It says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. It's Paul's desire. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish it on their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Who is God's righteousness? Christ. He goes on and he says, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says... Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. He goes on and he says this, a, a much familiar passage to all of us, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the Scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. There is, no, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Remember, that's what he is establishing here to the Ephesian church. There's no difference. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? What does everyone mean there? Everyone both Jew and Gentile, not everyone as the population of the world in its existence. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into, the, into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Mo Moses says, I will make you envious. Pay attention to this. I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. What is that nation? The Gentile nation. He goes on and he says, And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask me. But concerning Israel, he says all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now, 
Why did I just read for you all of Romans chapter 10? Because if you're going to understand what Paul is, is teaching the Ephesians here in Ephesians chapter 2, you're going to have to understand those lessons that are found there in Romans 10. We're going to read most of 11 in just a second. So if it bothers you that we're reading a lot of Scripture, you're just going to be bothered tonight. But as we look at this, pay attention to what is going on. The Gentile believers are now accepted. Paul knows this. He knows that the Jewish believers are going to have a difficult time with this. But he's telling them exactly why in Romans. Why this had to happen. Because it was God's plan. His plan is to alienate the ungodly. Did you know this? Before you were in Christ, you were cut off and alienated from God. Oh, I know we like to think that this is uh, some separate group of people that we wouldn't fall into the category of. You are enemies of God apart from Christ. Please see the privilege of His grace that allows us to now be accepted and brought near. He's explaining how all of this works. And I know this is going to be a lot for you to digest today, but just chew what you can. He goes on in Romans chapter 11 and continues. Did you know you can actually read the Bible like a book, like a letter? You don't have to stop when you see a number. Watch what he says in verse 1 of 11. I asked then, did God reject his people? Did he reject his covenant people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself. I descend, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. And I'm the only one left. And they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You remember the Old Testament story. So too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by what? Grace. So he's saying, oh, I haven't forsaken Israel. Paul himself says, I'm an Israelite. from the tribe of Benjamin. No, he hasn't forsaken us. We're saved by the same way, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He goes on, he says, and if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear. To this very day, he's saying yes, some of them have been hardened. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, pay attention to this, Gentiles, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel Envious. Do you see how God has worked this whole thing for His glory? You can read all in the Old Testament how God put His hand upon the people of Israel, causing all the other nations to be in fear and to envy the God they had, though they could not and did not submit to that God at that time. Now we see in the church at Ephesus, the Gentile believers who have been extended grace and mercy are now submitting to that same God, and he says it's all part of God's plan. And it's a part of God's plan so that Israel, who was steeped in waywardness and unbelief, 
so that they would now envy the relationship that the Gentiles have by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's all going to work because God has designed it to work. He says, but if their trans- transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater will their fullness bring? He says, they're going to have their day. I'm talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? He said, they're still a part of God's plan. But the Gentiles are also a part of God's plan now. God is going to use the grace that has been extended to the Gentiles, calls the Jews to envy, and one day... Isaiah 53 is going to be fulfilled. They're going to look backward at the cross and they're going to say, surely the Messiah who we rejected was the true Messiah who we had longed for. They're going to bow and they're going to surrender to Christ. God is going to graciously save all of the elect, both from the Jew and from the Gentile. Why am I telling you all of this? Because in the acceptance of the Gentile that Paul is talking about, we're seeing all of this in in the Ephesian letter begin to unfold. Now, the grace of God, the theme here, erases alienation. You, as a Gentile believer, why would I read you all of Romans chapter 10 and all of Romans chapter 11? Because you have a part in God's redemptive plan, both for the Jew and for the Gentile. I don't want you to miss that. You're no longer cut off from God. You're no longer alienated. It is God and it's grace that has erased our alienation in Christ. Now, if your brain is about to explode, I can go ahead and tell you this. The first time that I heard all this, my brain was about to explode too. Don't let this be the last time that you go back and read what he's telling the Ephesians here in chapter 2 what he was speaking to the Romans about in Romans chapter 10 and chapter 11. Go back and read chapter 9 just for fun and 8 and all of Romans for that matter. It'll do you well. But see the importance of what he is saying. So many times we read over all this stuff and we don't care to know what the significance of the Jew and the significance of the Gentile is. Don't miss out on those things. Because it is God's grace that has erased our alienation so that our salvation will be used by God to cause those unbelieving Jews to envy our relationship with God so that they will cry out for God's mercy and forgiveness and be saved. You are no longer alienated from God because of His grace. He always has a purpose in His grace to erase the alienation that was once there. We as Gentiles must see that. A Gentile who doesn't want to believe in God's sovereign grace and purpose in all this has no understanding of God's grace at all. 
A Gentile who doesn't want to believe in God's sovereign act in saving sinners for his glory has no understanding of grace. And all Gentiles, not just some, all would be forever alienated without hope and without God were it not for His sovereign grace. Who brought you in? He did. And He brought you in through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Be thankful that He chooses who He decides to bring in. Not who's deserving. Anyone here, would you ever be in the condition of deserving? Absolutely not. It is by His grace that He has brought us Gentiles who were once without hope in and without God. We have now been restored and accepted through Christ. And it's only through Christ. He says that through the blood of Christ Jesus. Faith in His blood. What does it do? It removes the separation that once existed. That separation that alienates all unbelievers, Jews and Gentiles. It is the blood of Christ who heals our separation, who allows us imputed righteousness. Romans 3, verse 21, But now righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. What's all mean there? All who believe from the Jews and from the Gentiles. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. And He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. So who is justified? Who is justified from the Jew? The one who keeps the letter of the law? The one who has faith in Christ? Who is justified as a Gentile? Well, it's not the Gentile who has the law, so it can't be that. Oh, but can he live by the law written upon his heart and somehow that gain for him righteousness? Absolutely not. Righteousness of God comes by faith and faith in Christ crucified. Faith in His blood. The Gentiles served as a picture. And I want you to see that. That the wicked and the unbelieving are always alienated from God. There's no argument here. We can go back and we can research the Gentiles. They were wicked. They were evil. They were immoral. They were idolaters, fornicators. Yet, Paul is saying here that many of them have been saved by grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. Those who were once wicked and cut off from God are brought near. Oh, let that for a moment sink into your heart. You are brought near 
Because you woke up one day and decided that you wanted to be close to God. You're brought near because God has graciously brought you near. How did He do this? As has already been said, Christ's blood. The gift of His grace. The demonstration of His love. The picture of His mercy toward all who would believe. Sin and unbelief, all of our wicked deeds and wicked thoughts had us all separated and alienated from God. But Christ's blood and Christ's blood alone has brought us so near. Let's ponder that. Let us think on that. I would love to continue on to look at the grace of God tonight that establishes our reconciliation. We're not going to have time for that. I would love to continue to look and see the grace of God that ensures our inclusion, because it does. I don't have time to look at that either, unless you guys just want to. What I really want us to focus on tonight, and I told you in the beginning, I didn't know how far we would get in this. I want us to focus on the fact that we're no longer alienated. I want us to think about, as we leave here tonight, and to meditate on that principle. That a group of people who were so ungodly, who were so wicked, who were so steeped in idolatry and sin, could somehow now be acceptable to a holy God. It's not that God looked at our sin as Gentiles and winked on it and said, I'm just going to let that go. I mean, you understand, that's not what he did. He didn't just wink on our sin and say, I'm going to just let it go. But instead, what he did to erase our alienation is he sent his only begotten son to this earth. And he was alienated by his own people. Well, pay attention to this. He was alienated by his own people, despised, spit upon, beaten, mocked, and crucified. And what Paul is telling the Ephesians here is also that we could be brought in by the grace of God. No longer alienated. Cut off. Unaccepted. In Christ, we are now accepted. We'll see the depths of that as we continue in our next meeting. But oh, what marvelous truths that we see here. Therefore, verse 11, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, any of you Gentiles by birth? Here's what he says about me. Here's what he says about you. Called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. That done in the body by the hands of men. Remember, 
that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Therefore, because of God's grace, remember this, you were alienated at birth God's grace through Christ has caused you to be accepted. Why is that important that we understand that concept, men? So that we don't think that there's anything that we have done or anything that we could ever do to be brought into fellowship and communion with God. It is all about God's grace through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it is God's grace that erases our alienation. When I tell you erases, I mean this. If you're in Christ, you're not cut off from God any longer. You're not removed from fellowship. If you're in Christ, you have perfect Communion with God. You're as close to God right now as a believer, positionally, as you were ever going to be. There is nothing that you can do to bring yourself any closer but to rest in the work that Christ has already done. Remember what Jesus himself said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you what? rest. He says, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let us rest in the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing this, that we were once cut off from God, formerly. But now, in Christ, we're accepted, brought near, through his precious blood. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, so much here that we could talk about. So much here that we could even go back, even this very night, and analyze word by word. Lord, may we receive the lesson that you desire for us to receive in this tonight. May we see we were once a people alienated from our holy creator. Thanks be Unto you, Lord. And by your grace, through the precious blood of your Son, we have been restored. We are now acceptable. Thank you, Lord, that you accept a guy like Kirk Hall, who in and of myself is completely unacceptable. But in Christ, I've been cleansed, I've been made new, I've been forgiven. I can now boldly and confidently come before your throne of grace in my time of need. Thank you, Lord, that I am no longer cut off, that I am welcome into your throne room to bow and to worship at your feet.
cast my cares upon you, knowing that you care for me. Thank you that I'm free to commune with you, that sin no longer separates me from you. But in Christ, I have been brought near. All glory and honor and praise to you. Lord, I pray for the soul who's here tonight, who is still cut off from you, alienated because of sin. I pray tonight that your grace would bring them to Christ, that their sin would be forgiven as they cry out to Jesus to save them, as they trust in you, Lord, and you alone, as Savior and as Lord. We'll give you all the glory for it. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you have grown through the teaching of God's Word. If you would like to find out more information about Key Life Fellowship, visit our website, keylifefellowship.com, or you can email us at info at keylifefellowship.org. We would love for you to join us in person. Our men's Bible study meets every Thursday night at 7 p.m. here at the Key Life Fellowship campus located in New Caney, Texas. Or feel free to join us at one of our Sunday worship services as well. As we conclude today's lesson, I will leave you with one reminder. Go out and be the light in a lost, dark world.